0: Welcome to Keep Calm and Cook On, I'm Julia Tertian. This episode is the second of two that I'm doing with my favorite romance writers about how food shows up in their work. Before we kick off, just a quick note that this mini-series is being brought to you by me. (laughs) Yes, I produce and I host and edit this podcast, but I also am so excited to share that I now teach online cooking classes every Sunday afternoon at 2pm Eastern. I love teaching these classes. Every week I get to be in my kitchen and join home cooks who are in their kitchens across the country, actually across a few countries. When you sign up for class, you get an email that includes a PDF with recipes for the class and a grocery list. I even organize the grocery list by the sections of the grocery store. This way you can cook along with me if you'd like, or you can just watch and make the recipes whenever you want. The classes are so fun and we all leave with great things to eat either right away or to have on hand to enjoy throughout the week. I offer tons of tips and tricks and suggestions along the way and I'm always happy to offer ingredient substitutions or troubleshoot any issues that you're having in real time. Many people have told me that the classes are like my cookbooks brought to life. You can find all the information about my classes at juliatertian.com slash classes. I really hope to see you on a Sunday sometime soon. Okay, on to today's show. If you enjoy the episode, please consider leaving some stars and a kind review on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. I appreciate it so much. I'm going to let my guest today make her own introduction.
1: My name is Jasmine Guillory. I write romance novels. This is My seventh book is coming out soon. It's called By the Book, and it is a contemporary reimagining of Beauty and the Beast.
0: As you'll hear me say to Jasmine in just a few moments, Jasmine's books were the first romance novels I read, and they unlocked the entire genre for me. I get so unbelievably excited each time she has a new book coming out. My only complaint is that they're so fun to read that I don't put them down and then they're over way too fast." In addition to writing multiple New York Times bestselling romance novels, Jasmine has written extensively for outlets like Cosmopolitan, Bon Appetit, and Time magazines. She lives in Oakland, California. I love talking to Jasmine about how food shows up again and again in her books and what goes into writing these scenes. We also talked a lot about the eating that comes along with the cooking in the books and how it feels to both write and read about women who have unapologetic appetites. I love talking to Jasmine, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Note that there is extensive talk about snacks. So if you're hungry, you might want to grab something right now. I feel like I've told you this over like email, but I just want to tell you to your face, like you are the one who introduced me to reading romance novels I never oh read God. one before I read yours before I read The Wedding Date and then I just totally was hooked so I read all your books and it also introduced me to just the genre and I've read so many and it's become such a like a joyful part of my life to read romance and I thank you for introducing oh, me oh that to makes it. me so
1: happy thank you so much yeah no and
0: in doing so you also helped me realize how fun reading can be I sort of forgot that along yeah. the way
1: Because when you're little, reading is fun. Mm -hmm. And then reading becomes, I I think, like, especially in your 20s, you sort of think you have to be serious, you know, and like Mm -hmm. read the important books. And the important books are great, but like you need some fun reading too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to talk to you about food, which I feel like is one of your favorite topics. Absolutely (laughs) one of my favorite topics. (laughs) So if anyone listening has never read Jasmine's books, your books are full of food. And if you've read, your books, you already know that. So your love of food, I just think shines in your writing. And we're going to get to like more specifics about that, but I wanted to know a little bit more about this for you just as a person, as, as the author, what was the role of food in your life when you were growing up and what's the role of food in your life now?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think like I grew up, my mom, my grandmothers all cooked a lot and I grew up in the kitchens with them. Like you know, I, I didn't really learn how to cook until I was probably a little bit, you know, in teen, my teens, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of grew up eating big family dinners and, like, gathering with family around food and cooking. Mm-hmm. And I always just... Oh, I had an easy-bake oven, and I loved it. <laughs> I would, my uncles would come over so I could give them little cakes that I made for them. And That's I so just had just, like, so much fun. Um, so I've always thought of cooking as just a lot of fun and kind of an experiment. Like I, I think there are people who are afraid to cook because they're afraid of getting it wrong. And mm-hmm. I I always just sort of thought of like, sometimes you get it wrong and then you try again. And so that always just seemed like a kind of fun discovery thing for me. And like I had, a, I had big families. And so there was always like holiday dinners and things like that were always sort of gathering around Food and you know birthday cakes and whatever kind of like celebration.
0: It sounds like it was just like a constant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what about now? I I know just from following you on Instagram, like I know how much you enjoy cooking and gardening and those kinds of things. It, like, what's the role of food in your life now?
1: Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, I feel like the the pandemic changed a lot of people too. Mm-hmm food and cooking like I like I've always loved to cook but during the pandemic it definitely became more of a slog at some
0: point sure yeah
1: um because I was like I have to like make think of and make three right <laughs> Like, eat it that often? <laughs> Do we really have to do that? You know, because I, I love eating out in restaurants, too. And like mm-hmm. once I sort of could do that again, it became more fun again to like cook. Mm-hmm. i always loved to bake. But the funny thing is, I don't I don't have that much of a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. so I love to bake things and then like give them away, <laughs> which is actually one of the one of the things that became hard once I started working from home all the time. So I was like, I. I don't have people to give away all of this stuff to. Like, I need more people around me. So I can, like, I made a whole thing of brownies and I want two of them. <laughs> so please take my brownies. You
0: need, like, the um, the break room. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> food being something you share with other people it reminds me a lot of this essay that you wrote for Bustle, which you wrote, it was right around when I reached out to you about this, about talking to you about food in your romance novels. So I thought it was just so, just the timing was so good. Great. So the essay is called A Romance Writer's Love Language, question mark, (laughs) good food. And you said in that, I write romance novels. Of course, there's a lot of food in my books. Doesn't everyone show love through food? Um, And it was just such a beautiful essay about everything you just shared about like growing up in a family that loved food and expressed love through food. So I'm wondering, I feel like I understand a little bit personally, but for you as an author, what are some of the ways food functions as a love language?
1: For me the big thing is like understanding other people giving them what they want not what you want to give them so i think it, in food like either cooking for them or bringing them or like helping them achieve the food that they like the best not mm-hmm. what you want in my first book the wedding day like drew knows Alexa loves donuts so he brings her donuts in the morning like things like that like paying attention to what someone else wants and then saying like i want to give that to you mm-hmm. um I think is a real. She really shows your love for someone in in the way that I do, and I think my many of my characters do as well.
0: Sure. So it's 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 a way for you to show that you're like paying attention.
1: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And how else does food function for you as a writer? I mean, you have so many scenes where people are cooking. Do you do that sort of on purpose? to just have these characters close together? Like what's going on in your mind when you decide to put these characters either in a kitchen or at a table where they're eating? Like, what are you thinking?
1: Some of it is intentional, but some of it isn't. Like, I think some of it is just like a lot of my favorite memories and conversations I've had with friends are, are sitting around a table. And mm-hmm. so that's sort of naturally where I think, like, they will have a big conversation. They should be sitting around a table or they should be in a kitchen or like something like that. And so, and I also like, for me, cooking is often a uh, stress relief. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember at one point a few years ago, I was trying to do this sort of difficult thing. I don't even remember what I was working <laughs> on, but I remember out of nowhere getting up and going into the kitchen and being like, "I'll make dinner now." And like chopping onions, and then five minutes later, I was like, "Oh, I, I realized why I was doing this." Like because I mean, in some ways, it's a stress relief, but also it's kind of a a break for my mind. And so while mm-hmm. I am doing something that like, I know exactly how to do so I can like be chopping and onions or like mixing together stuff. I don't really have to think about it. And so I can sort of like think about all the other things and mm-hmm. then I will have a new idea or like figure something out or just like calm down and be able to answer that stressful email or whatever. And so I think that that is sort of natural for me. And so it I sort of think of like, what can this character be doing? Oh, like Making risotto, you know, like Mm -hmm. something that I know can calm me down, can calm other people down, and so that, you know, that's part of it. And then it is sort of a thing like I want them to do something like fun together. What can Mm. they do? Oh, they can bake, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that that is also kind of a way that I think about it consciously. But there's a lot of ways in which writing that comes naturally to me.
0: Is describing someone cooking does that give you the same kind of stress relief
1: feeling? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, you know, especially because. Because I have sometimes I have to like <laughs> this does sound weird, but like do the motion in order uh-huh. to know how to describe it. So like there's a scene in in by the book where he's making croissants. Mm-hmm. And I sort of have to think, like, okay, he'll be like rolling out the dough. And so I, you know, I kind of think about how all of the things that will happen in that so that I can describe it. And it does give me sort of some of that sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because I want to be able to describe it. It's hard, right? Because I want to be able to describe it in a way so that someone who has never done that knows what's happening. But I also want to be able to describe it in a way that someone who has done it recognizes like, oh, she's gotten it right, you know? So it's kind of a balance. Totally. But but I also, I mean, I can go into so much detail about this. (laughs) So I don't want it to be like, this is not a cookbook. (laughs) I'm not teaching someone how to do this. So I usually describe it too much and then make myself cut back.
0: (laughs) That is so funny to hear because you're also describing... To me, someone who is a cookbook author who writes recipes <laughs> for a living, like a lot of the struggle I go through all the time, which is I want to give you enough details so you can picture this accurately and, and do it and feel empowered and feel like you know what you're doing, even if you've never done it. And I also don't want to go on and on forever for people who have, you know, made chicken soup a million times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's hard to strike that balance, but yeah. I, th- I think you strike it well. And as someone who does cook and bake a lot and uh, like it's a part of my life, I feel pretty like secure in every time I've read any of your characters making anything, I do feel like, oh, they are doing it oh. like this would turn out well. <laughs> like I've never doubted that. <laughs>
1: yeah, <you take>
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> in the proposal there's this incredible scene where they're making these enchiladas and I felt I felt like I was in the kitchen I could taste what they were making it felt so like visceral to me a scene like that and you have so many scenes like that are these things you have eaten before like you were able to describe them so well have you made them before like what goes into writing like a cooking or eating scene for you.
1: In- General, like, especially if I'm, if I, it's a scene where someone's cooking something, it's something that I've made before. It only occurs to me to write a scene about someone cooking something if it's something that I've made and like doing, sure. or if it's something I've made and struggled with, you know, it's like, oh, this is hard to do or whatever. And so, so like, the enchiladas, that is absolutely like, a recipe I've made with my mom a million times. And so I knew exactly sort of all the things that they would do and just how it tastes. And like, that's Mm -hmm. something that we make big vats of for the family, you know? And so so I knew like Carlos would be making a bunch of this for like his sister to put in the freezer and Mm -hmm. stuff. Eating scenes, sometimes it's sort of a combination of stuff. So occasionally restaurants are like based on real restaurants. A lot of times the food is based on something I've eaten, but the, the restaurant is kind of a combination of of restaurants sure. that I do and love and stuff.
0: The- enchiladas specifically that was that was a real story
1: <laughs> oh yeah that was a real story in yeah, describing it for people who may not know in the scene she's like soaking and then peeling dried chili peppers mm-hmm. and then did not put gloves on which she didn't carlos told her to and she didn't quite hear that and then touched her face and like then her face was on fire that ab- the exact same thing happened to me um when i was taking enchiladas with my mom once and like and all it was just sort of like there was a tingle, and then all of a sudden it was like my face is on fire. <laughs> sure, it
0: spreads. It spreads real fast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like we're free to get googling like how to do this, and we had sour cream, so I spread it all over my face. It looked <laughs> ridiculous, but it works. I can it tell works. you. If anyone reads that scene, know that if you get like chili something anywhere, start sour- because dairy helps. Yeah. But, like you can't put mi- milk; it's not going to stay on. Your sure. Face, so yeah. Like sour cream or yogurt, it sticks.
0: Yeah. No, it's really brilliant. That that, that is my tip. (laughs) (laughs) Have a sour cream face mask. Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) I'm so glad it helped because I have experienced like similar things with slicing fresh chilies. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's really painful. Uh But also, that scene was also just—I mean, it was so great and memorable for the food, but also, you know, it's that sort of slightly humiliating moment that someone has, you know, in the early days of a relationship that actually just makes you feel like, oh. I've been vulnerable with this person now, like we can get comfortable kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it was just fantastic. So I feel like the companion to all the cooking in your books is all the eating. (laughs) And it means so much to me how much your protagonists love to eat. I would love if you could tell me a little bit about why that's important to you. And what do you feel that tells us as readers?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think they're a combination of things. I think it has always come natural to me to love to, to eat and to love food and to like think and talk about food. And I think obviously gr- growing up in America as a girl, you have all of these feelings about like body image and what you mm-hmm. look like and stuff. And, and I, of course, grew up having those feelings about my body, but I feel very lucky that they never translated to food for me. You know, I've had a combination of feelings about my body throughout my life, but I've always, I've, I've always loved food and always loved cooking. And I never felt like I should feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sort of known that other people expect me to feel bad about that, but I never have. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's which I feel great. Very lucky yeah,
0: for. yeah.
1: Um, and it was funny because like one of the early reviews of the wedding date said something about like they eat so much. And I was like, I feel like they eat a normal amount of food that people eat, but I think <laughs> it's not that they eat so much, it's that it's like people talk, they talk about it, you know? <laughs> and I sort of embraced that because I was like, I, I I like that in books. Like I'm always, you know, when I read a book and people are talking about going out to dinner and then they go home and I'm like, well, what did they eat? eat it oh totally I also think that like for me sharing meals with people is is important and it shows you it teaches you stuff about people and their relationship like whether you you're a sharer or not Mm -hmm. and like what kind of foods you eat and how you talk and if you like if you like food or if you don't and so so I think that was important to me too and I think also like you know showing someone's appetites is fun and healthy and exciting, I think. And mm-hmm. and I think that I think people have really responded to that in my books, yeah. which I which is one thing that I didn't really think about and didn't expect. And it has been really lovely for me to hear.
0: Mm, that's I'm so happy or getting that feedback I know how much it's meant to me to see that kind of just reflected and represented and I yeah, assumed I was not the only one and I'm glad people are telling you because it's just so great and I agree with you that thing about feeling like oh these characters are eating like you know a normal amount of food I totally agree with that and I think we just often don't actually see that yeah. in books on television like we see people restricting themselves in so many ways and to see people just have desire, (laughs) you know, for, for food, for sex, for love, like for life in your books. is just, it's so great to see that and have it normalized. It's, it's powerful.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That means a
0: lot. To read books like yours where food is just celebrated and it's, there's, there's nothing like, there's no moral, kind of code around it or anything, and women aren't expected to take up as little space as possible. It's just, it's powerful stuff. The books are so fun, but I also think that kind of stuff is really powerful. (laughs) This is, I'm basically auditioning to be your publicist.
1: (laughs) to say, like, maybe you don't want to talk about this because you're being shy. But one of the main ideas I had for Party of Two, um, my food book, I got because of you from your Instagram. So thank you oh, for that. Oh, my gosh,
0: that was like a highlight of my life hearing from you. And you're like, can you tell me more about like volunteering so I can put that in? I was like, how much time do you have? I'll talk to you all day. So just for a little bit of context, a couple of years ago, Jasmine reached out to me to interview me to get some details about volunteering by cooking for your community, something I've done a lot of. Many of those details made it to Party of Two, which you can imagine makes me absolutely thrilled. Okay, back to our conversation. I'm like turning bright red. You can see (laughs) So sort of talking about like maybe unexpected power, that something like a romance novel has, like even just seeing women have appetites (laughs) and seeing them get what they desire. I was thinking so much about this topic and thinking a lot about an essay that you wrote two years ago in 2020 um, for Time Magazine about the importance of reading Black fiction. I cannot tell you how many people I've sent this essay to. It just like I, I just thought it was so important. <laughs> I want to explain it to you. Maybe for anyone who hasn't read the essay, can you just say like a quick summary of what that essay is?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that was, you know, that was in twenty twenty at a time when sort of all of the like nonfiction books about racism were hitting the bestseller list, and I sort of talked about the importance of reading fiction about Black people in not a, you know, there's so many there's so many different kinds of lives we live. Mm-hmm. And I think fiction really addresses that and talks about them, whether it's like picture books or young adult novels or romance novels or literary fiction. Like there are so many different kinds of Black fiction. Racism is not the only thing we have to deal with in our lives, mm-hmm. right? There's so many other things. And reading all of the different, kinds of fiction and the ways of viewing lives and people in, you know, America and abroad, like gives you a better feeling about what this life is and who these Mm -hmm. people are, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think my life has been improved by reading fiction about people who are like me and people who are not like me. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of our lives are improved by that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the work you do helps us get to know people like some of us might not otherwise know. Like we get to know the characters in your book and they come to life so easily. And I think, you know, there's that old adage of like, you can't hate someone whose story, you know, like I think about that a lot with work like yours, it's, it's storytelling and it's, it's humanizing and that's really important. And thinking about this, like specifically, kind of around what we were just talking about, sort of like body image. I mean, this is kind of front of my mind because it's stuff I'm just sort of like working through personally. So I think about it a lot, but, you know, in your work, your protagonists are black women who live for the most part in larger bodies. And we get to see them not only have desire and look for the things they desire, but we also get to see them be desired. And that to me is just so crucial. And could you tell me just a little bit more about why that is something you feel so strongly about putting forward, like, front and center in your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think so often it's, like, we see one specific body type that mm-hmm. is kind of the ideal. And that's not that's that's not me, and that's not most of the people I know. And also, I think, like, most people I know appreciate lots of different body types. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the media, we see sort of one. So I wanted... I wanted and want to show like appreciation for like different shapes and different kinds of women. And, you know, whether you're like boobs are perky or not, or you have a belly or like cellulite or like whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, like different kinds of bodies are great. And I think that's one thing that, that I have really learned and, have been learning, you know, especially mm-hmm. as I get older. I think because it's hard to learn that it, it it's hard to sort of unlearn all the stuff when sure. you're younger. I think, it, especially I guess when we were younger. I think teenagers now are doing a better, a little bit of a better job. Oh my gosh. With it. <laughs> um, like Generation Z, they're bless them. Um, but like when, when we were younger, they didn't have good, better messages, you know. And mm-hmm. so I have really been doing. I think for myself as much as for other people.
0: So writing these women into existence is something you do not only for others, but for yourself. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. Are you, this might be like a question you don't want to answer. If so, I understand that are your characters, are you basing them on people in your life on yourself, a mixture?
1: (sighs) There's a little bit of me in like every character I write. Often there's something that sparks a character uh, that is from someone I know. Mm -hmm. Um, But then as I keep writing them, they, they totally change. So sometimes it's like, she looks like someone I know, but then Mm -hmm. different personalities or, you know, things like that. So there's always a little bit of something, you know, one of my, one of my best friends was like, I I, I see what you did there with the (laughs) (laughs) spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> like, <laughs> she recognized herself in like a little part of one of uh-huh. my heroes you know but like things like that um, I love that but it's usually there's usually a lot more to a character but there they does like spark something
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah <laughs> I, I love I'm I love thinking about like people you're close to in your life finding those little easter eggs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking a pause with you all here to remind you really quickly about my cooking classes All of the info is at juliatertian.com slash classes. That's juliatertian.com slash classes. Okay, back to my conversation with Jasmine. In your writing practice, how does food come into that just for you? Not in the writing itself, but like, do you have any rituals around snacks you have to have on your desk like is there a certain beverage does it have to be in a certain cup like I love these kinds of details so anything (laughs) you're open to sharing
1: um I never snack while I'm writing I often snack afterwards because then writing makes me hungry Mm -hmm. um I am much more of a savory snacker than sweet so like my ideal snacks are like potato chips Mm -hmm. popcorn cheese and crackers like the ideal snack yeah so I do try to have those around for like afterwards but also I I mean I'm a little bit better at this now but when I first started writing I I was working full-time so and I am much more of a night person than a morning person so I would write mostly at night from you know after work around like eight or nine o'clock for an hour or two so then it's like 11 (laughs) o'clock I'm feeling smacky so I try and I and so there were there were definitely a lot of like a lot of popcorn in my life Rancho Gordo popcorn very expensive it's so good the best popcorn isn't it so good the best it's so good Um, I feel like
0: people just think beans and they do sell the best beans but their popcorn popcorn is the best
1: the popcorn is the best
0: yeah agreed okay
1: (laughs) um so yeah so I've gone through a lot of bags of that popcorn I bought like at the beginning of the pandemic, I got a ton because I was like, I can't be without the <laughs> Um Now that I am writing full time, I do tend to like try to write more in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I will try to have like an afternoon snack of something like slightly more substantial. And I do the thing where I'm like, oh, well, but let me finish this. And then I can eat something. But then I'm like, but I'm hungry. I (laughs) am i can't eat. I I can't write. Like, why don't I I get something to eat and then I'll go back to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so,
0: isn't it? It's interesting to me how physical writing can be. Like it takes a lot out of your body, even though like you're just kind of sitting there, like that kind of focus and creativity, it's, it needs fuel.
1: (laughs) And I really started doing this during the pandemic. I would like right in the afternoons and then immediately leave the house mm, because mm-hmm. especially like that, that that first year and really those first six months where like I was going anywhere mm-hmm. I was like I need to sort of see that there is a world outside of sure. my apartment so I would just sort of get in my car and drive somewhere that was like Slightly farther away than I would normally go, that Mm -hmm. I would like, I will go to that taco place like on the other side of Berkeley or whatever, Mm -hmm. just to like give myself somewhere to go that I could like open my eyes to something that was not a screen. And then I was like, and then I will get a snack at the end. Yeah. (laughs) So that was sort of like my reward.
0: That sounds like a really great routine. I love it. Um, Okay. I have to ask you some more specifics about popcorn. So you get your kernels from Rancho Gordo because you're smart and make a good choice. (laughs) And so you bring them home. How are you popping them? Are you stovetop, microwave, are there butter, salt? I just want all the details.
1: So I have recently discovered the best way to pop popcorn, which I I found this out from one of my best friends who like used to work for one of the like big food companies in the popcorn division. So she like knows everything. Wow, okay. And I Expert. got very angry at her for, like, holding out on telling me this for years. Um, but this is how I do it. And it is, like, revolutionized my popcorn making.
0: I'm, like, on holding a pen. Top, yes. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> like, oil and pop- and kernels in Olive the Olive oil? Um, no, I just use, like, canola oil okay. or whatever. Okay. But, like, not on the heat. Or, and okay. then And then on the top of the pot, you put aluminum foil put it down on around the pot. So it holds on and then put a fork in the foil of just a little bit. So there's a theme and then turn the pot on to like medium. Okay. And then just let it go and shake it after it starts popping, shake it a little bit. And then it's sort of like at home jiffy pop with like the, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And it's amazing.
0: Amazing. It's so there's print. no there's no pot lid, just aluminum foil. Just
1: the aluminum foil
0: that you've like crimped on the sides. That you on. on the but sides. You, you're putting a fork in it, like you're yeah. putting steam yeah, like into the pie. Yeah, like
1: the fork in it, like I don't know, three or four times.
0: Okay, and then your popcorn's done, and you're putting it into a bowl. I'm assuming or yes. something. And then wh- anything on top?
1: Butter, um, salt, mm-hmm. sometimes hot sauce.
0: Ooh, nice.
1: Yeah. Sometimes nice. I will put like the hot sauce in with the butter when I melt it. And yes. Then, yeah.
0: Smart. Yeah. You just like the smile you just had when you yeah. told me that I'm like, oh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Cause you're on the West coast. Have you heard of, or have you ever been sent any popcorn called Bjornkorn, Bjorn corn BJ Oh, what is okay. that? It's just really great popcorn. My wife, Grace and I, we live in a pretty rural area. Like there's There's not much going on, like in terms of big, like economic developments or anything, but we live like 10 minutes away from what I think is one of the best popcorn companies in this country. And they, their thing is they, they use solar power for everything. So they say their popcorn is popped by the sun, (laughs) which I love. Well, the popcorn is so good. I'm going to definitely have to send you some. You have to send me a mailing address. I okay. am
1: a good.
0: <laughs> Okay. It's really good. All right. I'm so glad we got to talk about popcorn. Yes, I'm so happy. <laughs> and do you have a favorite potato chip flavor? You mentioned potato chips too.
1: Okay. Well, recently I have fallen in love with this one very expensive, fancy potato chip. I'm blanking on the brand now. They have like all these sort of fancy flavors. Mm-hmm. One of the, they have like a truffle flavor. I
0: think I it's like
1: a white bag. Yeah. White bag. Uh-huh. I can't
0: remember the brand name, but I'll look it up for My the My favorite show notes, flavor is
1: the smoked paprika. It's nice. incredible. It's nice. incredible.
0: Cause I think that company is Spanish. I can't remember the name.
1: I think it's Spanish. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, that sounds the, so good. Yeah. I'll find them. I'll put it in the show notes. Yes. So if Anyone <laughs> listening can <laughs> just click on that. Um, I'm so glad we got to cover some snacks. That's very yes. important. <laughs> So my final question before I make an order of Bjorn Korten (laughs) to send to you, is just the question I ask everyone who comes on. And my only request is that you don't overthink your answer. Just the first thing that pops into your head. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you were a little kid, what was your favorite thing to eat?
1: (laughs) Quiche. Quiche. Yes. I don't think I've heard anyone say that. I loved quiche when I was a little kid. I don't know exactly what my parent. I mean, I think I like my mom was, I mean, this, this tells a lot about my family, but like my grandmother, my mom's mom was not a particularly gourmet cook in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a very sort of like things out of cans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my mom's like major rebellion in life was to, like, start subscribing to Bon Appetit in, like, <laughs> the late 70s and uh-huh. has been a Bon Appetit subscriber, like, since then. And wow. so I grew up, like, as she's reading all of that and, like, making fan- like sort of teaching herself to, like, make fancy food, um, I think we still have all of the her issues with Bon Appetit. And so Amazing. I think at some point because of that, like, she started making quiche, and I was like, I love this. This is my favorite. And I loved, like, bacon and cheddar quiche. Always been my favorite.
0: Amazing. Would your mom make that just,
1: dinner.
0: just for dinner? Okay. Uh-huh. Like it was yeah. like a regular part of like the repertoire. It wasn't yeah. like a special mm-hmm. occasion thing. Yeah. Your mom sounds great.
1: Yeah. Oh, you'd love her. <laughs> sounds
0: so cool. I always love when you like talk about her on social media. I'm like, she... Yeah. She sounds like a good egg. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think that's the first time I've heard quiche yeah. answer. Do you make it or is it more like something you kind of have as a no- nostalgic thing?
1: Oh, I do still make it. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, my sort of default dinners, when I kind of can't think of when I have plenty of stuff in the refrigerator, but I mm-hmm. can't think of what to make is mm-hmm. either like put something together with eggs or something together with pasta. And so mm-hmm. like, something together with eggs is like, I often i you I almost always have eggs and cheese in the fridge. And if I have like either bacon or some like random vegetables around, I will throw it all together and make a quiche. So mm-hmm. it makes a very easy like week, especially if I have like a frozen pie crust around. It makes a very easy week dinner, and then it makes for perfect leftovers during Yeah, the week. totally. Quiche is like a very easy you know, either breakfast or lunch the next
0: day. I love that. And not only like easy, but also like, I mean, to me, that would feel so special if I was having quiche for dinner. So what a way to like (laughs) take care of yourself. I feel like I have the same thoughts you have about making dinner, like, oh, all this random stuff can be eggs or it can be pasta, but I just make an omelet all the time, which is fine.
1: But like a quiche is so much more fun. Well, it's funny because I have like for some reason, very specific ideas about things that are breakfast and things that are not. So like for me, an omelet is breakfast. Uh So I don't eat it at any other time. (laughs) And so if I'm thinking like lunch or dinner, I will Uh be either a friccata or a quiche.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I bet that what's inside our refrigerators and pantries probably looks kind of similar. I'm feeling I have that. Yes, vibe. although so, I bet
1: yours is a lot more organized than mine. I don't know.
0: I don't know. You might be surprised. <laughs> I feel like about my kitchen, I know where everything is. Like, it doesn't matter if anyone else can find yes. it. I know where <laughs> Jasmine, thank you so much. You are just, you're the best. You are by far one of my favorite writers and you just bring so much happiness into my life and so many other people. So thank you for taking this time. I oh, really thank appreciate you it.
1: so much, Julia. This is such a pleasure. I'm delighted to be able to do this.
0: Thank you so much to Jasmine for joining me for this conversation. And thank you all so much for listening. If you have a moment, please consider leaving some stars and a kind review on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. Head to juliatertian.com slash classes for all of the information about my Sunday afternoon cooking classes. Take care.